name. That's the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is that same name that there is no other salvation found other than in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we pray today that you would speak to us. We pray that your word would be in our hearts, that your spirit would move around us, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, that, God, we would look for the good that you have in store for all of us, and that, God, in the midst of maybe a time of what I would call a lot of negativity, a lot of discouragement, that, God, you would surround our hearts, that we would understand what it means to be thankful, to have gratitude in everything, and that, God, you would just infuse us and fill us with your grace. God, let us be people who can carry the words of truth, who can love others, who can speak with a positive, encouraging tone, that God, we would build others up and not tear others down. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up our Be Thankful series, and I, I want to give you a couple things uh, as we prepare. First and foremost, to let you know really how we're transitioning and changing some things, uh, next Sunday, matter of fact, this slide's going to pop up, next Sunday is what we're going to call our first Family First Sunday. So here's the beauty of this. On the first Sunday of every month, we're going to have what we're going to call Family First Sundays, uh, where we will not have any kids' ministry stuff except for, for those who are five and under. So in other words, they're going to be, they're not in school, or, or if they're in school, then they come in here. If they're not in school, uh, then they're going to stay back there. Now, here's... The beauty of this, what we want to do is really encourage uh, our families together on this. So we're going to have things geared towards kids. As you come in on Sunday mornings that day, we're going to have uh, like a coloring sheet for them that will go along. They'll have word search. They're going to have things like that. And what we want you to do is use this time as a time to engage your son and daughter, number one, with the words uh, of the Bible, and number two, to let them see and experience kind of what goes on in service. So you might have to explain some things, and we'll have every everything laid out for you next week. But I'm excited about this, kind of a transition. Number one, it'll allow our workers a week to just, whew, because if you've been with kids, um, and listen to me, I love kids, don't get me wrong, all right? But if you've worked with kids on a long, ongoing process, after a while, it's just like, I need a break, all right? And so we're going to do this, and we're going to try this out for a while for the foreseeable future, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us. Again, family first Sunday, and here's the beauty of it. I'm going to try and make sure every time we do this that it's going to be something that you can go back to your home, and you're going to be able to talk about with your kids, all right? So we're going to deal with things like, you know, in the past we would do a sermon series on marriage and stuff like that. We're going to use the first Sunday of every month to focus on marriage. It may be relationships. It may be parenting. It may be things like that where we're going to dig into God's word and answer questions about the family. So family first Sunday, the first Sunday of every month is going to be our focus. I also want to let you know uh, of something I want to encourage you to be praying for. Uh, Johnny and Bethany uh, went into the hospital last night. Esther's having some issues um, and and so they admitted her to Children's Mercy downtown. We just got word of this this morning or uh, through text message. And so just be praying for Johnny and Bethany uh, as they're dealing with Esther right now. She's having problems, I, I think, keeping down food or something like that, right? Um, and so they, they took her to, to, to Children's Mercy. So be praying for them with that. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, again, First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to give you a, a heads up a really of what's going on. Listen to what it says in chapter 5, starting in verse 16. All right, we're, we're wrapping up our Be Thankful series. And listen to what he says. Be joyful 
Oh yeah, you can cheat there. All right, there we go. Making sure we got it. Be joyful always. Pray continually. If you ever notice this, always and continually kind of means, wait a second, that means I'm supposed to do this all the time? Like, who in their right mind is always joyful? Like, (laughs) I was using the example this morning on the way to church. Our kids must have had a bad night's sleep because they were at each other's throat. And at one point I turned around, I was like, I'm gonna kill you if you don't knock it off. And they're like, why are you so grouchy? And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, like who, you're calling me grouchy after I just listened to you for the last hour complain and rip each other apart. I'm like, no way, not gonna happen. But I want you to think about this. Be joyful always, pray continually. And then listen to what he says, and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's what I wanna encourage you. And, and I want you to understand that, that over the last couple of weeks, as we dug in uh, to really what it means to be thankful, I made statements like this, and I want to remind you of this, that thanksgiving begins and ends with God, who is good and whose love endures forever. So the first and foremost reason you should ever be thankful is because, number one, that God is good. As a matter of fact, I brought it up that God is good all the time, all the time God is Good. That was something we practiced. We did that all the time growing up in our church. When new members would join the church, our pastor would stand up, he'd introduce them, he'd say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And that, it was one of those things that we always did, but we have to understand and get that into our mind that God is good and that his love is everlasting. And what you have to begin to see is as you dig into that, that regardless of what you do, regardless of where you're at, regardless of the struggles you face, regardless of the demons you're battling, regardless of the addictions and things like that, that God is good and his love is everlasting. So regardless of what you've done in the past, that God forgives you, of those things. And so we begin to understand, I can be thankful, first of all, because God is good and because his love is everlasting for me. Number two, I said, and we talked about this last week, that in order to be thankful, we wanna be a church that people are thankful for. So a church people will be thankful for bears the marks of Christ-like living and a commitment to the gospel so that we're gonna be obedient to what God has called us to do and we're also gonna be obedient and live out the gospel on a daily basis. We want to be a church that everybody around us is thankful for. That people will look and go, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be encouraged by that. Those people love me. They encourage me. They wrap their arms around me. The reality is we live in a negative, discouraging world today where people need love. They need grace. They need understanding. They need acceptance. They need to be brought into a family. And listen, hear me out. That doesn't mean that we have to acknowledge and say that everything is okay because you have to understand this, that sometimes we're all works in progress and that I have to straighten out things in my life based upon what God's word says versus what everybody else says. So we love, we accept, we wrap our arms around, we, we, we treat everybody with compassion and grace and mercy and dignity. Why? Because that's the way God made them. But I want you to understand this because I think today is the big kicker, all right? Attitude is everything, is it not? Attitude is everything. And the reality is, as we jump into this First Thessalonians text, I want you to understand this, that between verses 10 and verse 27, we're actually given 22 commandments that we're supposed to live out in these verses. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you some homework. I want you to go home this week and go through Chapter 5 of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 10 and go through 27 and see if you can find all 22 commands that he's given us, that Paul gives us through this so that we can be more effective. See, attitude is everything. 
Have you ever been around people who are constantly negative? What do they do to you? They bring it down, right? If I'm constantly around negative people, what happens? It's like, yes, you're exhausted. They're, they're, you know, I always jokingly say this, but it's the, 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 the truth, all right? There are life suckers who just suck everything out of you because of negativity. And the same thing, I want you to understand this, though, plays out in a team. If attitude is everything and you've been around negative people, they seem to drag you down into the pit of despair. Did you know, literally, and matter of fact, I've got an article, if you want to see me about it, they, the, the, I, I, I posted on Facebook this week, but did you know that science has now come out and basically said that a, gra- a, a thankful attitude, being thankful and having gratitude actually rewires your brain? It rewires your brain to be more joyful. So the more I express thanks, the more joy I experience. The more I'm thankful for things and I have an attitude of gratitude, then the more my life becomes positive, encouraging, rather than negative and discouraging. See, the reality is, if you've watched news in any way, shape, or form, you know that there is no encouragement whatsoever on the news. I don't see many. Matter of fact, They set aside, I watch CBS News every now and then. They set aside one time a week and it's on the road with Steve Hartman on CBS News, if you watch between 5.30 and 6, and it's the very last thing at the 5.30 session. It's the very last thing and it's always positive. And everybody's like, oh, I love that story and it's, it's so encouraging, it's so great. But if you watch a majority of the news, a majority of the news is negative discouragement, attacks and everything else. When the reality is what you have to understand is that we have to be people who are gonna grow into and be obedient to what God has called us to do. That is to be joyful always. And so we said attitude is everything. As a matter of fact, attitudes are contagious and developing a positive disposition and attitude is a habit that must be practiced, developed, and used in order to change your attitude. You know, I'm not the big guy who's always like the power of positive thinking, but the reality is if you let negativity dwell within your mind and within your heart, you're gonna get negative out. But if you let positive things dwell within your mind and your heart, then you're going to have a right attitude. As a matter of fact, I'll even throw this out there. If you're into sports much, we know a lot about positive and negative attitudes. As a matter of fact, Sarah was, we were sitting down talking the other day, and she said something about Patrick Mahomes. And I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, blah. Because I'm a Broncos fan for all of those of you who, who don't know me, and everybody around here is like, blah, all right? I love Patrick Mahomes, though, from this standpoint. He's humble. He's a great leader. He has a positive attitude. And I think he gets the best out of everybody around him. You want to know why? Because he doesn't disparage him and discourage him and talk down and treat him like trash. Now, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Antonio Brown. Right? Anybody who knows anything about football knows he quit on the Steelers, went to the Raiders, all hell broke loose, he quit there, went to the Patriots, and then all hell really broke loose, and we know that the power of negativity overwhelms everything because now he's no longer even playing football. Positive and negative speaks volumes about the attitude of the team and the people you're around. And so what I want to do over the next couple minutes is to dig in and just say, hey, how can I be, number one, have a positive attitude that takes into consideration and lives out what Paul is calling me to do here? To be joyful always? Are you kidding me? Brian, you don't know my life. 
You're asking me to be joyful for the circumstances I'm in? Hold on just a second. We're going to answer that question, all right? But I want to leave you with this, and I want to remind you of this, that a thankful heart is a happy and joy-filled heart. A thankful heart is a happy, joy-filled heart. See, again, I'm going to go back to what I said the first week. Could part of our problem be that in today's world, we aren't thankful and we aren't grateful, but rather we've become critical, bitter, and discouraging? I believe that's a big thing because the reality is it's easier to complain than it is to find the positive in a bad situation. It's easier to whine and moan than it is to look and go, hey, you know what? I can make lemonade out of lemons. It's easier just to go down to the pit of despair than it is to pull people up into a positive, encouraging attitude that's obedient to what God has called us to do. So I want to leave you with this, or I want to jump into this. Sorry, I keep saying I want to leave you with this, but I want to jump into this. In Proverbs chapter four, starting in verse 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And what I want you to understand is I believe it's wholeheartedly our desire and the desire that God has for us that we guard our heart from the negative, discouraging seeds that Satan wants to plant in our life. And we guard our heart and lead into and lean into really what God has for us so that we can become positive, obedient, grateful in everything that we do. I believe wholeheartedly that changes the attitude of everybody. As a matter of fact, I would say this, that I think one of the things that we as a church have to work on is to be more positive, more encouraging, and more thankful rather than going down the road of negativity. So how do we work on it? I want to give you this statement. This is the key statement. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that a heart overflowing with love for Jesus is a joyful praying heart that gives gratitude to God. A heart overflowing with love for Jesus is a joyful praying heart that gives God gratitude for everything. Okay? That's the thing. Remember remember this whole idea, a heart overflowing with love for Jesus. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? Negativity comes flying out of our mouth. And here's the reason why. The reason negativity comes flying out of our mouth is because our heart is full of negativity and discouragement. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we jump into thinking about how do I become a person who is going to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude, we have to understand that attitude is everything. So here's the question. How can I develop and practice being a grateful person? How can I develop and practice being a grateful person? Here's number one. (laughs) be joyful always, all right? Now, listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. This is an old pastor back in the 1800s. He says, it's not how much you have. It is not how much you have, but how much we enjoy that makes us happy. It is not all that you have, but it's how much you enjoy that makes you happy. Get that through your thick skull. Get that through my thick skull because the reality is most of us put ourselves in the woe is me attitude, right? Well, I don't make as much money as such and such or I don't have as good a wife or I don't have as good a life or maybe I've been given a bad rap or I've got a bad deck of cards. All of those things, we begin to go, woe is me. I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm not worth it. It's not valuable. 
value, there's no purpose, all of those things begin to jump in. And the reality is, that's what leads to discouragement and struggle rather than joyfulness. See, the simple fact is this, that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit. So if we don't have joy, we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, therefore we what? We are allowing sin to take hold of us and breathe out of us what should really be taking place in our heart, which is that God, through the power of the Spirit, changes my heart and gives me joy in every circumstance. Now, for those of you who lead to a negative disposition, listen, I understand completely and wholeheartedly, you're like, well, does that mean I always gotta be smiling and happy? Because I'm just not the guy or I'm not the gal that walks around all smiling and cheery and happy. No, not necessarily, But listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Matter of fact, there was an old song, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Anybody know that? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Right? That's just scripture laid out right there in front of you. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And it's something that we begin to look at and we really have to just evaluate our life. See, we as children of God, listen, have no right or no justification to go around with a sourpuss face and be all cantankerous troublemakers. You don't have that right because you're not your own, you were bought at a price. And you bear the fruit of the spirit by having joyful attitude. Now listen, I understand I understand struggles. I understand anger. I understand frustration. I understand, God, I don't know what you're doing. I understand, God, I don't see the big picture. I'm, I'm struggling through these circumstances. I understand all of those things. And I also understand what it's like to be in a place where people don't want you, have pushed you out, have cast you out and said, look, we don't even want to be friends. I understand all of that. And you have to begin to go and say, is this me? Is it them? Is there a little bit of me and the sin in me? Is it a little bit of sin in them that's all coming together leading to massive problems? Yes. But I want you to understand this, that when I'm joyful always, that means that I don't let the circumstances and the struggles and the difficulties steal joy away from me. I will say this, and I don't even remember where I heard a long time ago. Happiness can be gone, but joy Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, not in an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not based upon how everybody else treats you or what they say to you. Joy is something that you control. Happiness, you can't necessarily can control it because there may be something bad that happens. But as a result of joy, that I can walk through the circumstances and the struggles and the difficulties, and I can say, Lord, whatever it is you're doing, I'm on board. And I'm gonna be walking through it with joy even though this is not a comfortable situation because I know you have a greater plan in store for me down the road. Being joyful always. And I I even wanna lay this out. In John chapter 35, Jesus wept. Does that mean he was joyful? Yes. Does it mean he was happy? No, he was sad. He was mourning. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
So we begin to understand that rejoice always does not mean that you deny your feelings, that you put on your happy face, and that you never feel sad or discouraged. But what it does mean is that you look deep within and you understand that Paul is talking here to the persecuted church that is facing struggles and difficulties and trials because of their faith. And he's saying, listen, rejoice in every circumstance where you get tried, where you go under the struggle because of your faith. And listen, be faithful because God, who is faithful, will deliver you. And so this idea of joy is something that we consistently can run to knowing that God, through the power of the Spirit, will give me joy even in the toughest circumstances or situations. See, we can focus on our trials, we can fall into self-pity, or as really what Paul is trying to focus on here is that we can set our minds on things above. We can look to the end picture where Christ is at because joy is a conscious attitude of contentment and hope coming from focusing on the eternal treasures we have in Jesus Christ. That's where joy comes from. That regardless of what happens, I can look to the eternal treasure I have with Jesus Christ. That's why I can have joy. So he says, be joyful always. I want to read you two quotes that I think are great that stand out with this. Number one, Charles Stanley says this, gratitude produces deep abiding joy because we know that God is working in us even through difficulties. Gratitude produces deep abiding joy because we know that God is working in us even through difficulties. And then listen to this. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail, I will seek God's grace. That's the reality of what it means to be joyful always. Number two, how can I develop and practice being a grateful person? Number two, I believe is this, that we pray continually. It's literally what Paul's laying out. Right? That doesn't mean that we drop to our knees at every moment under the sun and you're spending time in prayer. It means that I can pray all throughout the day, consistently and constantly, while I'm driving, while I'm at work, while I'm responding with my kids, that I can have an attitude of prayer that is seeking the Lord in all things. And that's what he's saying. Pray continually. Praying can be done walking into a store. It can be done while you're talking on the phone or talking to a coworker and a friend. It can be done while we, like I said, driving in the car. It can be done while you're sitting at the bank or you're going through the ATM line. It can be done while you're driving in traffic and dealing with the person that just flipped you off. <laughs> you can pray for him. You can pray for you. God, give me patience not to respond to that dude. Praying continually is something that we have to train our hearts. Remember I said that attitude has to be something, or the, the attitude of gratitude has to be something that we develop? By being joyful always, joy, we have to develop that thing. And same with praying continually. See, praying can be done in any and all circumstances, but prayer claims literally the promises of God in every trial, every struggle, and every difficulty we face. That when I face those tough times and those tough situations through trials and temptations, that I can go to God in prayer. Why? Because I can claim the promises that God promised to me, that he would never leave me nor forsake me, that he would not walk out on us, that he would deliver us, that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because he cares for us more than he even cares about the birds. 
And so I don't have to stress and fret and worry over every circumstance and situation. Why? I can just pray about it. Because prayer is me dropping to my knees and just saying, God, you gotta do what I can't do. And so when we talk about praying continually, that's literally what you're doing. You're asking God to do what you can't do. Again, going back to discouragement and worry and stress and struggle. I want you to think about this because a lot of times we try and do the Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Phil quick fix. Like if I just do certain things the way they say it, it's gonna make it go away. You wanna know the greatest thing that's gonna relieve worry and stress and fretting? It's not you working more, not you working harder. It's not you going to the person you have conflict with. It's you praying. Prayer changes my attitude and changes my heart and then prayer unites my heart with what God wants me to do in the first place. That's how prayer changes everything. So in order to be a person who's thankful and grateful, I need to pray continually. Matter of fact, I've gone over this this morning with uh, our class on how to grow, but I wanna give you just uh, a simple word and a simple acrostic in how you can pray. It's something I try and practice in every one of my prayers, but it's very simply this. It's acts, all right? It's an acrostic, acts, A-C-T-S. I'm gonna give this. This first statement is adoration, that in everything, when I start my prayer, I wanna adore God for who he is. I was challenged a long time ago to prayer revival that, I would, that you would come up for with a name uh, that's listed throughout scripture with a name that, that would identify God. God, you are awesome. God, you are beautiful. God, you are the creator. God, you are my righteous redeemer. You are the mighty warrior. You are the one who provides in every circumstance and situation. You are my kinsman redeemer that I can go through the alphabet and list them and I can acknowledge God for who he is. So I have the adoration aspect. Number two is confession, all right? That I confess to God everything that I need to confess. And even to the point where I say, God, if I, don't, if I have some sin in my life that I don't even know about, would you forgive me of it? Would you show it to me? So I have adoration, I have confession, I have thanksgiving. Now here comes thanksgiving. That I thank God for every circumstance and trial and struggle and situation and difficulty that I've faced. So we have thanksgiving. Now I come to supplication. That in supplication, the acts part or the the S part, now I present my requests. Most of us go to God like he's some genie in a bottle or he's the vending machine God and we want our requests right away without acknowledging even who God is, without confessing our sins and thanking him for what he's already done. We just say, we want this and we're asking you to give it to me. So how do I pray? I can pray continually by trying to put some of this into practice in my life. Matter of fact, Adrian Rogers says this, most of us need to pull some of the groans out of our prayers and shove in a few hallelujahs. I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I'm praying with people, I walk away discouraged because all they do is whine and moan and groan and complain. You imagine going to God, God's got to sit here and listen to this. Not thankful, not grateful, not acknowledging for who he is, just God, here it is. I'm going to whine and moan and groan and complain. It's bad enough when my kids do it to me. Now imagine having a whole world doing it. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pull my hair out. 
Now, God doesn't feel that way. That's Brian Grout, <laughs> all right? But, but I want you to understand that when we approach God with the right attitude, praying continually, that I believe that God wants to change our heart and let us move forward so that we can be people of gratitude and thanksgiving. And then here's the last thing. Number three, how can I develop and practice being a grateful person? Number one, I said to be joyful. Number two, we said to pray continually. Number three is this, to give thanks in everything. We live in a thankless society, let's be honest. I was walking in yesterday, we're, we're getting ready to eat lunch. I went up with, with a, a gentleman, went hunting, and uh, we're walking in, and the guy grabs the door and holds it for me. And I'm like, man, thanks a lot. He's like, oh man, it just, I mean, just holding the door and saying thank you. But I can also say there's also been a circumstance where I held the door open, and they walk right in, don't say a thing, and it's like, let me shut it on you real quick before, you know, attitude changes everything, doesn't it? Because the gratitude of a person acknowledging you doing something that you didn't have to do in the first place is nice. Now, that attitude of mine is wrong. I'm going to clarify that. But it's one of those things that when people are thankful, watch how far you go to thankful people or to help people out who are thankful and watch how far you go to people who think they deserve it. Because what I find is when somebody feels like they deserve it, a lot of people are like, hmm, hands off. I'm not gonna help you out. You're not grateful for what you have or what we've tried to help you with in the past. Why would I help you now? Anybody understand that frustration? Giving thanks in everything is something that we have forgotten. We don't practice we kind of just expect everybody to read our mind, mental telepathy, and understand it instead of being a grateful person who thanks people and thanks the Lord for what we have. Give thanks in everything. Listen to what he says. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, I think about it this way. Giving thanks in everything doesn't mean to be happy with every situation or to just let things happen, but rather to pray for things to change, but give thanks for the time and the season that you might be in at that point. So I use this example. I was 24 years old, had never dated a girl longer than two months, was praying to God, God, you gotta provide a woman for me. But I wasn't unthankful for the season I was in because the season I was in was God preparing me for a future season of marriage. But it didn't stop me from praying and saying, God, you gotta provide a wife for me because I don't know quite sure what I'm gonna do. And I know everybody's like, well, the age is getting later and later. I was kind of going, man, dang, I'm about a quarter way through my life. And I even met the girl. But I prayed. And I give thanks for the circumstance and the timing and the situation that God has me in because he wants to teach me something. He wants me to rely upon him. He wants me to see his goodness and his grace. As a matter of fact, I want you to think about this, that giving thanks comes from a heart that understands God's sovereign rule over everything. Giving thanks comes from a heart that understands God's sovereign rule over everything. Now, I'm gonna kind of give you the story of Joseph really quick. Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50 is the story of Joseph, right? And in the story of Joseph, we see where his brother set out to destroy him that made it look like he died, all right? And in the midst of looking like he died, they went to the father and said, he is dead. 
But in that, God works through a negative circumstance where we would look and say everything went wrong when in reality, God used everything. What man intended for, for, for evil, God intends for good. God uses to save a whole entire generation of people, not just Israelites, but the world because Joseph becomes, rises up into this, this leadership position and he creates a stash of food so that when this famine comes, that people won't be without food. And as a result of negative circumstances and situations and struggles, God delivers the people from death. And so what I want you to understand is this, that the reason you can be thankful is because even though you may be walking through the storm and you may say, God, I don't know what's going on, I want you to understand this, that God, Jesus, is the very Joseph who saves you from the legitimate death that you face because he's saving you from the thing that you need to be saved from most, and that is sin. That Jesus is that deliverer who saves the people, who is the bread of life and saves you in the very way you need saved most. So I can give thanks in everything. Why? Because Jesus saved me. And then giving thanks comes, listen, when we trust or when trust in God is our habit. I just said that giving thanks comes from a heart that understands God's sovereign rule over everything. But in understanding God's sovereign rule, we also have to understand that giving thanks comes when we trust in God, or when trust in God is our habit. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Because there are a lot of times where we don't trust. We walk away and we say, I, I, can't, I can't trust. Are you seriously kidding me? If God is sovereign and over everything, Giving thanks comes when I understand his sovereignty and when I trust in God as a habit. I want you to listen just real quick as we wrap this up. If you are trusting God, then you're thankful. If you're not thankful, then you're not trusting God. And I want to use this as an example. The Israelites were known for their lack of trust. All the time, consistently, they would begin to distrust God. They would, they would say, look, we don't, we don't believe. As a matter of fact, to a point in time where they decided, hey, we're gonna build a golden calf. Why? Because they didn't trust God. Moses said, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna be back down. Oh, we built a golden calf because you didn't answer in our time. And then beyond building a golden calf, they're led into the promised land and they don't trust that God's gonna provide the food and the water and everything else they need. So they begin to complain and they gripe and they moan. In the midst of griping and moaning, God provides again and, and wow, you know what? All of a sudden people become thankful. But I want you to see this, that when we don't trust God, the God who saves us from the very slavery we need to be freed from, when we don't trust God in those circumstances, then we really don't trust God at all. See, the Israelites were famous for complaining and grumbling and not trusting. But I want you to, again, remember this, that you're not trusting, and if you're not trusting, you're not thankful. A.W. Tozer says this, gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. 
And it is one that, the, listen, the poorest of us can make and be not poorer, but richer for having made it. An attitude of gratitude makes me rich because I begin to acknowledge everything that God has already blessed me with. But when I'm unthankful and I have no gratitude, I'm actually trapped in the very poverty of everything else because I'm going to strive to do everything I can. And I'm going to run into discouragement constantly. So here's three things I want to give you this week to work on and we're going to wrap up. Three applications. Number one, I want you to practice being joyful. That's a fruit of the Spirit, so it's not something you can just sit down and go, I'm going to be more joyful. You need to be more Spirit-filled. You need to spend more time in the Word. So practice joy by spending time in the Word. That's how I can begin to practice joy and let the joy of your heart, remember, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, let the joy of your heart overflow into those around you. Practice joy this week. Number two is this, all right? I want you to pray in many ways throughout your days. Practice this. Pray on your way to work. Pray on your way to eat. Pray as you're talking to somebody. When you run into a frustrating circumstance or a difficulty this week at work that's driving you nuts or maybe a coworker that you wanna like bang their head on the desk, I don't know, um, pray instead of lashing out. Find ways to pray this week that you can pray outside of the norm instead of just whenever you normally do it. And then here's the other thing I want you to do. And I want you to consider this wholeheartedly because we gotta practice this in giving thanks in everything. That you praise and thank others at least five times a day. Five. That's a small number. But if you wanna be a thankful person, then praise and thank others for what they've done in your life, for their actions, for how they treat you, for what they say, for what they've done, for who they are, for the joy they may bring you because of the positivity they may bring into your life. That you praise and thank others at least five times a day. Five times. Now, you know what's gonna be crazy? Some people are gonna be like, five, I already do that. That's not hard. Those of you who don't practice this, that don't do a lot of thanking, five you might as well put five million up there because you're like, oh my gosh, five times? Are you kidding me? You're asking an awful lot. Put this into practice. Change your attitude because attitude is everything. Allow the joy that God wants to do in your heart to change your attitude from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the beauty of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. That he paid the price that we couldn't pay. That he gives us the opportunity and the encouragement. That he wants us to experience the joy. He wants us to go to you every moment that we can to pray continually. And God, that we can be thankful for everything that we face. God, I pray that we would be people who would look at our attitudes this week, that we would evaluate deep down, that we would look at the truth of Scripture and we would plant our heart, that we would plant Scripture firmly in our heart. And from that, God, the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth would speak. God, we pray right now, just as the offering plates are, are coming down and they're getting ready to be passed. God, we pray that you would multiply the offering, that not, not so that we can build a big coffer here, but so that we can continue to encourage to invest in, and to serve our community through that. We pray that this offering will be multiplied in a great way. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.